Welcome to Hillside Baptist Church Podcast. We are a church that is committed to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our privilege to open God's word with you. It is our prayer that you receive the message from the man of God with an open heart. That through God's word, you are encouraged and equipped to face life's challenges. But most importantly, it is our prayer that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so at hillsidebc.com, find us on Facebook, or send us an email at info at hillsidebc.com. We hope that you benefit from today's message and that you would share it with a friend. But let's now open our hearts and God's Word. What great, exceeding, precious promises we have from our Lord. He, the Bible says He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is one that said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a joy it is that we can be joined together with our Savior. So join with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 37. And we're going to jump right into the text tonight as we just begin to look at the Apostle Paul's life and see some persecution that uh, the Lord brought in his life. We're going to see the purpose behind that and uh, the ways that, that came into his life. But we're also, if God time will allow, we'll see uh, how that applies to our life. And in the midst of that, we'll tell, uh, share some of the historical figures you know, I was just sitting there thinking as she was singing that song of uh, the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us. Uh, the Hebrews chapter 12 refers to that cloud of witnesses and those that have gone on before and laid their life down and been willing to surrender their all. Uh, and, uh, and what a tremendous blessing we have for those who are willing to lay down their life so that we could just hold the word of God tonight. So that we could come to church unashamed and unafraid of being persecuted here in our own land. And so we are great. Uh, we have been received greatly and great blessings from the Lord. And so one of those is the Apostle Paul. And so we will look at his life this evening. So look in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 23. He says this, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have been I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Let's stop real quick. We'll pray. Ask the Lord to help us in this, in this evening's message. Father, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity we have to uh, be able to come to church, to sing, to be reminded of the precious name of our Savior, the name that sustains even through things like the Apostle Paul speaks of here in this. Uh, Lord, we are grateful that we have a friend in Jesus. As this song says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. And so tonight, as we just bow before you, we ask you for your help in, the, uh, in, in just... Uh, with me, for me as the messenger, but also, Lord, that each of us, our hearts would be ready and pliable uh, to your Spirit's leading. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, through the centuries, there have been countless stories of different people, and uh, whether they suffered or they were martyred as Christians. And we can read over and over the faithfulness of the Lord. And we find comfort and oftentimes inspiration. I can't tell you how many, how often I have enjoyed going back over and reading uh, books that uh, tell of these that have laid their life down for the cause of Jesus Christ. These that were willing to make a stand when everyone else around them was bowing like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in that day and were cast into the furnace. These men and women over uh, the, the centuries have willingly stood for their Savior, Jesus Christ, and oftentimes it costs them their lives. Matter of fact, we're inspired by their faithfulness. When we see this happen, we see this, it, we're just in, inspired that God would allow our lives to be so found faithful. In 1 Peter 4.19, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of, the soul, of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. This verse was a verse that John Bunyan used in a, a book that he entitled simply, The Seasonable Counsel or Advice to Sufferers. And this whole book was based upon that verse in 1 Peter 4.19. Now, John Bunyan, just by way of remembrance, he was a pastor in the 1600s who had spent 12 years imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And during that time, God allowed him to be able to write uh, many different things, including the most, uh, one of the most famous books in the world, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, each of those 12 years, at a three-month interval, he was brought up to uh, see if he would be let go because his, his sentence was a three-month sentence when he was first in prison. He was brought before, and the print sentence was, if you would agree to, uh, to stop spreading uh, or to stop preaching, then they would let him go. And he said, I won't stop preaching. As soon as you let me go, I'm going to go out and I'm going to preach, preach the gospel again. Every three months, this is the way it would happen. So for 12 years, you can do the math, but for 12 years, this is what happened. He would come before the magistrate, and 48 times he stood before them, and on that final time, they finally let him go. For 12 years, this was his life. To be offered hope and then dashed again, offered hope and then dashed again, over and over and over, never knowing. And at this time, he had four children. He had a, a fairly young wife who had miscarried while he was in prison. Uh, at this time, he was a, a man who had uh, had one child that was uh, blind, and so it had extra. The child had extra needs, and and his family literally was starving. And his his wife was faithful through all of this. When he was finally released, he spent the next sixteen years of his life ministering to a, to the flock in I believe is Bedford, England. And and that entire time, he was under constant threat that he would be re-imprisoned for preaching the gospel. His writing in first from First Peter four nineteen was written from a man who had suffered. He, would, he had known what it was to go through the fire. He had known what it was to, to suffer at the hands of evil men. And so when he wrote his book, it was not a book that was just a theoretical practice or treatise written by a professor in some seminary, but it was a man who had gone through it, a man who was a tinker by trade, but a preacher by practice. And I tell you, God used his books in his life in a tremendous way. Bunyan's books had a success because of the personal tragedy and suffering that he had gone through. George Whitfield remarked of the Pilgrim's Progress, he said, this book smells of the prison. Bunyan expected suffering in his life. And he discovered that God has a purpose in the midst of our pain. I would encourage you. Uh, I learned a lot about John Bunyan by reading this little book, Outsiders. Uh, it's a tremendous book. It's got uh, 15 different leaders who follow Christ. 
and uh, gave their lives for the gospel. Uh, this is in our library. You're welcome to borrow it, but it's a tremendous book that helps you understand about that great cloud of witnesses. You see, the Bible promises that God will always provide the strength we need for any trouble. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. What is, that? what is the next phrase? But what? God is faithful. Say that again out loud. God is faithful. Isn't that good? And he says, Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now notice God doesn't say, Listen, you're never gonna, God never said you're never going to have problems. That's not what he says, is it? What he does say is, listen, there is these temptations or trials that you're going to go through are not going to be so overwhelming that God, who is the one who is your companion through them, is not able to help you overcome them. You see, because God says, listen, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go with you through the fire. God is faithful. He will not abandon his child. And so when we go through times of persecution or trial or temptation, whatever words you want to use there, what we find is that God is always faithful and we can trust him. I love what he says here. There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You see, he said, listen, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon would write. This was the same uh, things that Christ would have endured, the same kind of temptation and trial, yea, greater than what we have gone through. And yet he was faithful. And he says, this Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, this same Christ indwells in your heart and enables you through the trials. So let me just encourage you, uh, with, if it's an addiction you're trying to overcome, if it's a, 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 a just a, a spirit of being overwhelmed, you have a God who is always faithful. Listen, temptation doesn't just refer to Satan's efforts, but it includes all kinds of adversities. It can be trials or testings, persecutions, whatever it is. If there was ever a believer that knew what it was to suffer, that would be the Apostle Paul. And so in 1 Corinthians, is what we just read here, we read a list of things that he had shared with the church in Corinth and said, listen, I have been there, I've gone through these things, and I'm telling you I, that God's strength is sufficient. In the very next chapter, he deals with this. He says, in my weakness, I found that God's grace was enough for me. In the midst of the trial, God was good. God is always good, right, church? We love to sing, God is so good. We sing that around the campfire. That's a good one. God is so good. So play your little guitar and sing it around the campfire like Kumbaya, my Lord. But listen, in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the trial, what we find is that's the time we need to be reminded God is still good. God is still faithful through it all. Paul found that this very truth that we're sharing with you tonight, that God is faithful, he found that to be right over and over and over and over and over again. So, persecutions, trials, we go through these. This is part of life. He told Timothy in the end stages of his life, if any man, if, if any man shall live godly, they will endure persecutions. And so, if we're going to be tempted, if we're going to have trials... Let's learn a little bit through them, shall we? So let's look at Paul's trials. We're going to learn about his, and in response, we should learn about ours. So the divine purpose for Paul's trials is what we're going to see first here tonight. So in every current 
uh, event that occurs in our lives, both pleasant and unpleasant. God has a purpose. God has something for us to learn and to glean, to grow from. And so sometimes it's, it is Satan that wants to do evil, but God always means it for good. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. He says, listen, my thoughts, my intents, my desires for you are not something that's evil. And instead, when we go through times of trials, that's those moments that we can turn back to the Lord and say, God, I, I don't understand this trial, but I do understand that you are loving and kind and gracious and you have a good reason for me to go through this. And so, God, I just simply trust you. You see, it's an opportunity to exercise our faith. You see, the world and religious leaders desired to break the spirit and the testimony of Paul, but the power and the love of God really overcame all of those things. And, and as the great difficulties, uh, as great as the difficulties are that we may face, I remind you, God is always greater. First John 4 4. Ye are of God, little children. Isn't that good? I'm not of just the world anymore. I belong to God. I put my faith in Him as my Savior. And now I belong to Him. I am of God and I'm His child and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Man, what a great song. Greater is He that is in you. Greater is He that is in you. We sing, we sing that little song with our children sometimes. But listen, sometimes we just need to sing it to ourselves. He's greater than my problem. He's greater than this thing that's ahead of me. And I can trust in Him. That's why Paul later told the church in Corinth, as I alluded to a while ago, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. How hard is it to be content? Is that hard? Man, I, I have, uh, in, in my personal walk with the Lord, I have so yearned to know what contentment in Christ is. And I, I've made that public. It's just been something the Lord's been working on me through the year is to find contentment. The more I chase it, the more I realize I'm not content with anything. I want to know what, what Paul went through when he said, my grace is sufficient and then his conclusion was, My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen, he knew what it was to be at, at, at just the end of himself and the end of his, his life and all of his problems were laid out before him. He's like, I can't go any further. I'm out of me. And so God, I'm just trusting in you. And that's when he found God's grace was sufficient. He wasn't resting on, my intelli in, on his intelligence anymore. He wasn't resting on his good works anymore. He wasn't resting on these things. Instead, he was just standing back saying, God, I trust rest completely in you. But that's exactly what Jesus told us, isn't it? He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Man, sometimes I think that we're in this, uh, this game of life and we're running to beat the band and we're carrying all these problems and we've got all these things and, and the whole time Christ is over in the corner saying, just come unto me. Just, just, you know, when you come to the end of yourself, remember I'm still here. So that when we can, when we are at there, we can find that His grace is sufficient. See, Paul was content in weakness because that's where he found God could be all the strength he needed. 
And he was later, uh, he was able to write earlier in Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now he didn't go and he didn't lift up a thousand pounds on his own, a thousand pound car or anything. What he was saying was, with Christ, there is no trial that I can't walk through. Ain't God good? Amen. If we could grasp the incredible love and the grace and the power of our, our Savior in the midst of those moments, I believe that we would see what Paul has seen here, that his grace is sufficient. So in the midst of this, he learned some lessons. And one of those was that he was to bear the name of the Lord. You know, people are watching, aren't they? They watch your life. They watch my life. They, uh, they want to know about you. Uh, last week, Brother J.L. and I got to go to uh, the uh, honor flight. What a joy that was uh, to be able to be there with him. And when we were there, we had opportunities to talk to some of the men that were there with us. And what a wonderful opportunity God gave me to, to pour into a life of a man that sat beside me on the plane. And, and you know, uh, we, we never, uh, at the very end, I, I just loved it. We exchanged numbers and we're trying to interact with each other and, and uh, spend a little time with him coming up soon. But at the very end... He said, so what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, really? He said, I need to talk to you. And God began to open up some doors in the last week, and I'm so grateful that, he's had, that he has. Listen, when, when you go through trials, when you go through things, people watch our lives. And God wants us to carry the name of the Lord with us. Listen, God chose the Apostle Paul to carry his name to everyone, right? Jews, Gentiles alike. He said uh, it didn't matter if they were commoner, if they were royalty. God chose Paul to do some amazing things. And listen, as we see here, we see soon as Paul was converted, we see this in his life. Look in Acts chapter number 9 and verses number 10 through 15. We're going to see a little bit of uh, what happened in his life after his conversion by way of reminder. We've looked a lot at his life, so this may be just a reminder for you, but just look at some of this in perspective of... Of this persecution he went through. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he may receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And, there, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now it's, it's important to, for us to understand first and foremost that we are also chosen vessels of God. We're a vessel or container made to carry something of vital importance, and that is God's Spirit that resides within us. And so 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 5-7 through 7 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of, the, out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God uh, may be of God and not of us. And so we are ordained and commanded then to bring the name of Christ to a lost and dying world. You're a vessel. You're a vessel that's, uh, that is given uh, a great command to carry a, an important message for those that are lost. There is no greater honor that we have than to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Consider this. What is a greater honor to see, to be able to share Christ with a lost soul or to talk to the President of the United States? Well, the world would say, well, talk to the President of the United States. It would be great. Most of us uh, may want to do more than talk, but that's another story. Listen, what we do realize is that, that God says, listen, the greatest thing we can do is be that ambassador, to be the one that carries the message. And, and maybe we want to talk to the, to the president so that we can share the gospel with him. Amen? That would be, that'd be wonderful. John 3, 14 through 15, and it says, And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And John 12, 32, he says, and, and, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And so we see that God wants us to bear the name of the Lord. In our suffering, God wants us to bear his name. But letter B, he see, he, we see here that he was to suffer for that name. And so... Paul bore that name, but now because he bore that name, he will suffer as a result of it. The Lord told Ananias how he called, uh, had called Paul. He also revealed that Paul was going to suffer great things for Christ. Verse 16, just right after what we read in Acts 9, it says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Man, if there was anybody that suffered, it was the Apostle Paul, but he's not been the only one. We can... Today, you can go through uh, the, the map today and you can see countries uh, and Dr. Baskin and Sherry, yeah, they can share with you testimony of, of people that they have met and have suffered uh, tragically at the hands of people. Our missionary, Brother Jacob Adesina, uh, uh, who, who we just need to remember him in prayer. He just had heart surgery. Uh, but, um, but he has shared with me videos of Christians in Nigeria, not far from where he ministers, where they douse the Christians with gasoline and lit them on fire. Is God's grace enough in those moments? Absolutely. Dr. Bob Jones used to say, the test of your character is what it takes to stop you. As we look at Paul's life, we see it becomes clear that nothing will stop him from fulfilling his calling. Acts chapter 20, he says this in verse 24, but none of these things move me. It doesn't matter what it is. None of these things move me. Neither count on my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, we may not suffer in the same way that Paul suffered, but there is a great, deciding, great value in deciding now that regardless of what trials will come, we will not be swayed by the trials. We're going to continue to trust God, and we're going to continue to trust God, and we're going to continue to trust God, and we're going to continue to trust God. Back in and day out and day in and day out. Listen, not be distracted. We don't, we don't want to be dissuaded. We don't want to be detained. We just want to do what God has called us to do. Christ, when he was here, he suffered greatly on this, on this world. But he fixed his eyes and he continued to do what the Lord wanted. Now, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse number 7 says, For the Lord will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Luke 9, 51, it says, And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Nothing would detain him. In 1555, as part of her campaign to reestablish the Catholic Church in England, Queen Mary, who was also known as Bloody Mary, arranged for John Philpot, one of the leading Protestant ministers of the day, to be burned at the stake. When his death sentence was pronounced, Philpot said, I am ready. 
God grant me strength and a joyful resurrection. Philpot walks to the place of execution on his own rather than having to be dragged to it. And when he reached it, he knelt, he kissed the stake of which he would be burned. I think there's a, a uh, depiction of that there. It's easy for us sometimes to focus on the problems and think that they are larger than, than they are. And most of us, though, have never endured this kind of persecution for our faith. If you've been a faithful witness for Christ, some people have probably gotten upset with you at some point in your life. There's some people that maybe said, listen, I don't want to hear none of your mumbo-jumbo Jesus stuff. They may have said, listen, you kind of Jesus freak person, I don't want anything to do with you. But listen, have any, has anyone tried to kill you? Closest I ever came was someone tried to beat me up for sharing the gospel. I think it was just, I think it was just, uh, I was in the wrong part of the neighborhood. But listen, there may come a day when we must make the same life or death decision. Have you noticed this world is not the most gracious to Christians today? And it may be, maybe not your life, but your children or your children's children, maybe they'll have to make a decision regarding Christ. But we've got to determine now, before that day ever comes, will I be faithful? Do we stand firm for what is right? Do we, or do we lower the standard to avoid trouble? You see, God had a purpose in all of Paul's persecutions, and he wanted people to be able to see the gospel of Christ dwelling in him. But let's talk about a little bit of the daunting perils that Paul faced too, because listen, the persecution Paul faced was not just a theory, it was his daily reality. It's what he went through on a daily basis. He was in constant peril due to uh, those that, who wanted him to die. They want to not only end his ministry, they want to end his life. And so Paul's enemies had a lot of motives. We're going to look at those together. But have you ever thought about why we are hated, why the people of God are hated? Look at Israel today, uh, and, and, and it's not just Hamas anymore that is against them, uh, but we see all of these other uh, Islamic countries that are against them, and even some of the countries who are quote-unquote Christian are now turning their backs on Israel and turning away from them. Anybody noticing this? The UN has determined that uh, Israel needs to stop, cease, and desist. And, uh, and, and I just look at this and I say, okay, uh, it just uh, one step closer. We're just watching it get a little closer. Do you feel the urgency? I do. Have you ever wondered why, people, why, why people, God's people are hated? Jesus said, if we're like him and we go about doing good, uh, then he says that we should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We should be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But Timothy, Paul told Timothy, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But many unsaved people today hate God. And we see this everywhere. People uh, who especially hate Christianity, it's, an, it's an interesting to note that uh, if you're a Jew or you're a Christian, you're especially hated by the world today. Uh, it doesn't matter as much if, if you're, uh, you know, this uh, voodoo religion over here or you're a Buddhist or you're uh, uh, anything else. But if you're a Christian or if you're even a Jew today, uh, you have a mark on your back uh, by the unsaved. People who hate God hate those who represent God. John chapter 15 this is what the words of Christ tell us in John 15, verses 18 through 21. It says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Remember who, remember who died on the cross. 
And he said, listen, he, we, are we above our master? He says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember that the world, word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Listen, Paul's enemies had some various motives, and they're oftentimes used against us as well. First one of these motives is pride. That's a, that's a word that we see a lot today, isn't it? Uh, typically with a rainbow flag uh, and associated there. Some of Paul's enemies were motivated by pride. Acts chapter 9, verse 22 through 23, it says, But Paul and Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which, were, which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Why did they do that? Because they were jealous. They had that pride in their heart. And as Paul's effectiveness for Christ increased, the Jews and religious elites felt threatened in their own little kingdom they had created. And so they worried about their status in the community and among the people. And they began how they could plot to get rid of him in a permanent way. And their pride was at stake. And they would defend their pride to the very death. And so Paul's death is what they sought. In a way, this was really a compliment because Paul was making an impact and they had to take him seriously. Sitting, you know, sitting, Sitting, if you're just sitting still, it, it won't make it, there's not much resistance there. It's only when we're attempting to further the cause of Christ that Satan attempts to stop or slow the events. Let me just encourage you, as we make strides in our community to reach out, as we do our very best to share the gospel with the lost, there will always be pushback from Satan. There will always be those that uh, want to stop the advancement of the cause of Christ. And it's in those moments that as a church we rally together and say, listen, we're not going to quit. We're going to double down and we're going to make sure the lost know that there is a God in heaven that loves them. Man, in those moments, it's, it's time for us to say, Lord, we want to continue to be faithful, that we are to occupy until He comes. Luke 19, 13, as Jesus shared His uh, purpose for being here, right after that, He talks about this idea uh, in a parable. And He called ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, said to them, Occupy till I come. This word occupy does not mean just sitting still, taking up space. It means to be occupied doing something, to busy yourself. And it's an in instruction to actively pursue the occupation we've give, been given until he returns. So what's the occupation we've been given? Someone said spread the gospel. Someone said tell other people. I think there were some other things, but that's it. It's the Great Commission, right? It's going to all the world and preach the gospel. That is still the call of God. That is still the purpose of the church. That's still my purpose, and I hope it's still your purpose. And God says, listen, while I'm gone, it is our purpose then to continue to tell that to others. God's Word has a lot to say about pride, and none of it's good. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. And at the top of that list, He says, a proud look. Right at the top of the list. It is so interesting. And uh, I was talking to Brother Daniel. Uh, he was down here for a few days for a couple of things and uh, for his, his wife's mother. And, uh, and so he was, uh, we were visiting and he says, you know, I've, I've come to the conclusion that probably pride is the, the center of most of our sin and our problems. I just smirked and I said, yeah, of course it is. We love ourselves. 
But pride is a prime motivator for those who oppose the work of God and persecute His people. It's no doubt in my mind that, uh, that these, these groups that hate God so fervently would use a word like pride. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, we see that uh, the source of pride is the devil. He says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mounts of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So there's pride. And pride is still a problem today that we must deal with. The second one is envy. Paul's enemies were motivated by envy. They were jealous of what they saw. Acts chapter 13 Verses 44 through 45. It says, The next day, Sabbath day, came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy, and they spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. God had, uh, excuse me, Paul had God's hand upon him. Everywhere he went, everywhere he preached, the people came, they heard about the working of God in and through him, and they came to see what was happening, and they turned their lives uh, over to Jesus Christ. It was an incredible time as we watched God working in that early church. Listen, the unbelieving Jews saw the people, and they grew jealous and envious of what was going on. So their first response was immediately to speak against Paul by arguing and opposing and even began to criticizing his messages. Short of physical violence, at least on this occasion, they did everything they could to disrupt the, uh, Paul's ministry in the multitudes. Listen, there are times where we will be reviled, we're going to be criticized or abused by the unsaved, but Christ calls us to continue to be faithful. Matthew chapter 5, Christ encouraged His disciples in, in, in verses number 10 through 12. I said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets, but which were before you. So how do we respond to this? How do we respond in when, when there's persecution and envy? Paul had a great response that he writes about in 1 Corinthians 4, 12. And he says, And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. He didn't retaliate. He didn't become angry and vindictive. He just continued to labor. They continued to bless. They continued to bear it. Now, how do we do that? I mean, because that seems pretty impossible if you ask me. It goes back to my grace is sufficient. You see, he found that Christ was enough. You see, but the problem is for Christians today is, is that we have so many things that pull us away from, uh, from uh, a real relationship with Christ. And so we have fire insurance, but maybe that relationship with Christ hasn't fully developed. And so when we go through the trials, then we get mad at God and we yell and scream at God instead of coming over here and saying, God, I humbly bow before you and I don't understand, but I do trust you and I know that you love me and, you're gonna, and you have my very best for, uh, for me in this. And so Lord, help me just have strength to bear it with joy. 
You see, instead of, uh, instead of developing a relationship with Christ, we just want a feel-good emotion. But the problem is that the emotion won't carry us through the trial. And that's why we must have spend time on a daily basis after year and year and year, just faithfully spending time getting to know the Lord. See, there's nothing like walking with the Lord. There's nothing as sweet as when you go through a trial, but you don't say, Lord, Lord, this hurts, but you're still good. God, this is, this is not easy, but I know that you're going to see me through it. Because I know that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, that's what it means to be able to come to the other end of, of a trial or in the midst of the trial and sense the presence of God on your life and know that you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. There's the difference. That's what Paul had found. There will be times when we face trials, and we shouldn't be surprised when it happens. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is, upon, which is to try you, as some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed... Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Are you ready to walk through the trial with the Lord? No matter if it's pride or envy that's thrown your way, no matter what it may be, you will find that He is always faithful. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a privilege to share God's Word with you. If God has spoken to your heart because of the message, stop right now and respond to whatever it is God is asking of you. Don't wait another minute. You can pray right where you're at and ask God for His help. If this message has helped you in any way, we would love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions, or we can help you with your decision. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do ye say that I am? And he offers the same question to you today. What would your answer be?